Welcome to Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the professor and my co-hosts are DJ and Devi Boy. How are you guys enjoying the holiday shopping? Lovely. Uh, first day in, I feel so jaded. Super enthusiastic. Oh man, it's, it's a grand, fantastic time. Uh, just Karen's <laughs> madness and, and depression, yes. It's the most <laughs> wonderful time of the year unless you work in retail. Uh... So many people buy so many gift cards. Do you have a problem with gift cards, DJ? I don't know. Gift cards, uh, buying a gift card for someone, it sounds like I don't really know you that well, but here's some money just to, just to let you know we, we are, we're just friends, but, that, but we don't really know each other, that kind of thing. <laughs> I think it depends on the type of gift card. Like, if somebody gave me a gift card for J-Car, then you know, I'd know they'd put at least some thought into it because... I, you know, I can put it towards something I need from JCar for a project. If they give me a gift card to, I don't know, Big W, maybe I can buy clothes there, but that's about it. This is what I think gift cards are stupid. Just give cash. <laughs> I'll drink. Yeah, I get your point there. The crazy part about gift cards is like you get the, like you sometimes get that one gift card. It's like ten dollars from JB Hi-Fi, and you're like, what am I gonna do with this? <laughs> $10 isn't worth much at JB Hi-Fi. No, that's not a very good gift card. But what would you do to get revenge on someone who bought you a gift card like that? Oh, buy them a very, very crappy movie. And I don't mean like the, the nowadays crappy movie. I mean like the 80s crappy movie. Was Revenge of the Nerds a crappy movie? Because I thought people I... liked it when it originally came out. It's just that it hasn't aged well. <laughs> but anyway, you should introduce the topic. So, uh, Smith, Seth MacFarlane, uh, or Family Guy fame, is planning to revive the Revenge of the Nerds. And uh, he's going to be working with Keith and Kenny Lucas, uh, two identical brothers known for their roles in 22 Jump Street. That um, And they'll, they'll be writing and starring in that movie, and they'll be co-writing they're co-writing the script with Alex Rubens, famous for his works in The Twilight Zone, Key and Peel, and Rick and Morty. So, not a not a bad pedigree. Yeah, uh, and um, just to keep you just to let you know, the upcoming version won't be a remake of the 1984 comedy. Uh, instead, the contemporary reimagining will pontificate about today's nerd culture and what even constitutes a geek in the 21st century. Okay, I'm not sure that works. Because being a nerd isn't like an outsider thing anymore. Like from the, I haven't seen the full movie, so bear with me. But from what I know of the original Revenge of the Nerds, it's about the outsiders getting back at the popular guys. But um, like now being a nerd is cool, so I don't think it really fits in. Like, who are they going to get revenge against? Um, I, my my uh, my hypothesis. Business students. Oh, yeah. Not the business students. <laughs> I, 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 I think mainly it might be the movie studios themselves. Because, you know, fans these days, that's more yeah. become. These days, people, the fan culture is a huge thing now. And you know how it's always 
you can hear about massive fan communities of <laughs> Star Wars. Just, you know, going and creating giant cosmic lithic, you know, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about. So, if anything, I think it might be about that. That makes um, sense. But what I don't understand is, like, why you want to do a reimagining, though? Like, like a reimagining just, it, it just takes the fun, to make it contemporary, just takes the fun out of the original movies. Does it? Yeah, I mean, like, um, we've seen time and time again people doing reboots, and they've not, they've basically uh, do a hit and miss. Like, um, remember Tron Legacy and how that turned out? It was yeah. really good. From what I know, people who have seen it loved it. Yeah, well, I, I, I they must have it. done something wrong with the marketing. Oh, they didn't market it at all. Nobody basically. saw it. Yeah, no, it is a fantastic film, but yeah, they didn't market it one bit. Is it a good sequel though? Oh, it's five million times definitely a good sequel. Although, um, interesting fact about Tron Legacy: the um, Jeff Bridges' face as Clue. They didn't use the one that um, was in Tron the movie. They used um, a different a different movie. Yeah, Jeff Daniels, that's right. He was uh, against all odds, if I recall. Okay, but that's just special effects. Yeah. Yeah, how, how do you see this pan out, though? Like, you reckon it'll be... If if, the, if it's marketed well, you reckon we can see a resurgence in the nerd culture as a as the it thing? Uh, I think more it's going to bomb. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if this becomes, like, the uh, movie version of the Big Bang Theory. If, if it, Okay, I'm putting money down now. If it does... I, I bet 50 bucks it won't. I'll give you 50 bucks. But I <laughs> I highly doubt it's going to become anything huge because based on everything I know of how things currently are, it most likely, I honestly don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to be a big success. Just how movie, TV shows are now what's going to be the main thing at driving force. Movies are dying. Like, yeah. streaming services, watch series, they don't watch movies, don't they? <laughs> Anyway, that's my depress- depression, depressive talk. I'm very sorry. <laughs> There's Debbie Boy. like, thank you for visiting my TED Talk. Please, uh, please go to the exit and get your complimentary wine. Can you imagine uh, a couple of the Big Bang Theory members in that movie, though? Like Sheldon Cooper and all those guys just doing cameos? Probably. And knowing Seth MacFarlane, like, he'll put some, fa- he'll put some Family Guy spin into this movie as well. He does that to everything. It's getting a bit old, but apart from the Big Bang cast, who were the nerdiest actors on Earth who could play these characters? Ooh, Rick Moranis. Yeah, he's a bit old for the role, though. He could, he could come. He could play as on um, the old guys. Um, who else I can think of? I reckon Scarlett Gizondo would do well. I've seen a few things with him playing a nerd in it, and they're all pretty good. I can see Kevin Smith playing a uh, playing a role in that movie as well. Uh, for those curious, Kevin Smith is the um, is a stand up comedian, also a um, filmmaker and director. He's famous. He's famous for uh, one of his TV shows, Pod- Comic Book Men. What it's called? Okay, well, I wasn't curious, but thanks anyway. Okay, maybe the guy from um, Die Hard. Uh, is his name Justin Long? I think. I have no idea who you're talking about. Has he done anything uh, else? Give me a second. Oh, yeah, he was in uh, Jeepers Creepers, Dodgeball, uh, Jay and Silent Rob, uh, Silent Bob Reboot. He's the guy famous for the Apple Gets a Mac commercials. Okay. Once you see his picture, you'll... Maybe they could use some of the guys from um, the Facebook movie from 10 years ago, but then you need to de-age them by 10 years, so... Yeah. 
Debbie, do you have any suggestions? I hate to choose. Hmm. Yeah. Um, hmm. You step one, you want to get unknown actors. Um, so I'll go down to the local uh, bar and I would <laughs> select five people. So you're going to make a movie, guys, and give them roles. That would be my ethical decision. <laughs> Interesting casting choice. And then we pay them uh, $10 an hour. And then we just steal a likeness and use CGI. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine Seth MacFarlane just cut, doing a ca- uh, Ted cameo in that movie. Oh, God. Probably. Yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to have to be pretty different because, um, yeah, the culture's so different that the original Revenge of the Nerds wouldn't fly. Especially the scene, if I remember correctly, there's a scene where a character dresses up as. Um, the cheerleader's boyfriend and convinces her to sleep with him, thinking he's someone else, which uh, does not fly with modern audiences. Yeah, but nowadays, like, do it. Okay, do it. Like, let's be real here. Do you really want to watch like a safe, uh, like safe comedy nowadays? Like, people just want to. It's like yes. we've lost the ability to just have fun. Like, go risque, go wild. You can have risque comedy, but. You can't have a scene like that and then portray someone as a good guy. Yes. I think that's hit the nail on the head. Like, times change and cultures move on. And, like, something that flew in the, like, put it this way, something that flew in the 1940s, right? Or the 1900s, right? Wouldn't fly in the 1980s. Just as something in the 1980s wouldn't fly culture now. So, like, things are always changing and adapting. It's not that we're losing our fun. It's just that different elements of fun change with each generation. Yeah, I think one of the hallmarks of sort of modern comedy is that it's less acceptable to be funny by hurting people. And I don't I don't know what's uh, precipitated that sort of change, but you know, can't really complain about that. I mean, you guys have seen um Chappelle, you guys have seen Dave Chappelle, right? A bit. Yeah, when he uh, when when he did his comeback on the Sticks and Stones um stand up tour, it was really uh, it was really funny and people were uh, people loved it. The critics hated it <laughs> to the point where they go on Rotten Tomatoes. They gave it zero. There's the a lot of things the critics hate that the audience loves. Yeah, and I'm like, what the hell's going on? Critics don't always know what the audience wants. Like we were saying last week, find someone you like who has similar views to you and follow their advice. And then find someone else who you don't like to follow just so you can, you know, see what the um see what else is going on out there. You might find something you like. Yeah. So you sound pretty enthusiastic about this one, DJ. I know. I I I would like to see some like remnants of the older humor in this one, but I don't know. I could be a I could be cynical and just go, eh, like what Debbie Boy said in this, um, in his view of the movie. It's gonna, it might be a, yeah, might be might bomb harder than a sci-fi original. Well, let's move on. How many PS5 consoles do you own, DJ? Well, I I own um I own fifty. That is fifty-one too many. <laughs> You're a PC gamer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I caught them on on the side of the road. Apparently, they fell off a truck. You know, 
a likely story. <laughs> well, as long as you didn't use an automated bot, because uh, UK members of parliament have heard the uh, great upset about the non-availability of uh, recent technological releases and want to bring in a, ball, a ban on automation for automated purchases. I'm actually all for this. I mean, it's a good first step in the right direction. Yes, I think um, humans need to be the one making the purchases. And what would be interesting to see about this is how it impacts the stock market. Because human-initiated transactions are a tiny fraction of the stock market. So I wonder if, uh, well, bringing in a law against this would cause uh would carry over to the stock market if people would be would decide to do that so that would absolutely change the state of the economy overnight so can you imagine all those uh stores like amazon and stuff get the um okay click on these images to prove that you're not you're not a bot yeah you just farm them out to some kids in india <laughs> Pay them five cents a pop and they will solve hundreds of them for you. I'm not joking, that's a thing they do. <laughs> so there's obviously attempts to prevent people from um from purchasing bulk orders, but they're not effective enough. And adding a legal consequence, I think, is a really good way to really push the line there. Yeah, but it does I mean, the libertarian in me is saying, oh, crap, more government intervention and things we do. Yeah, the government might do that, but um, I don't think, like, the people, I understand what the people like that are worried about. I don't think they need to jump up and down and get their knickers in a knot every time the government proposes a new law. I mean, that's what usually happens anyway. Yeah, they'll do it anyway, but... Something like this is basically consumer protection. Yes, that have said. And consumer protection is good. <laughs> but I also wonder if only the UK does this and not the whole EU because the UK is now leaving the EU. No, People right, will hey. just bulk buy in the EU then ship them into the UK. <laughs> Although hey, it's going to be harder without the uh, free trade agreements. Ah, so you're wrong. The, yeah, and you have to pay duty on all of it. But... um. Yeah. Can you if imagine? You're, you're selling like, at the it, double price. You can afford to pay the duty. <laughs> can you imagine, like, seeing people be like, "Where'd you get them? Oh, I bought them off a, 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 a somewhere." Some Dutch dude came across on a boat. <laughs> Are we going <laughs> to see PlayStation smuggling rings? Oh no! Definitely. I want to see how this law would be enacted in America. Oh, the Americans would be much less happy about it. <laughs> Since World War Three. Yep, no commies getting between them and their games. <laughs> How dare you! I mean, it, if it if it gets enacted in Australia, I mean, good for it, good for us. I think. I think Australia would react well to it. I think culturally, in um, most of the former British colonies would uh, react well. I think the US in particular would react badly because they just react badly to any concept of government uh, regulation. Yeah. I mean, it 
It depends how they market it, though, as well. Like, yeah, like this is good for the consumer, not the yeah. business. So the businesses are going to be lobbying to not have it happen. Because you think Sony really cares that you didn't get a PlayStation when they sold all of them within ten minutes? Not yes. really. Yes, yes. Hang on, Colby here. So the majority of PlayStation's um, sales have been taken up by scalpers, undeniably, right? Yeah. Now. I can't confirm where I heard this, but the basis of rumor going around is actually destroying PlayStation 5's viability. Because think about it. First, oh, year, no attach rate. Pardon? There's no attach rate because, um, well, these are sitting in scammers' uh, garages or wherever they keep yes, them. Exactly. No one's buying so games. The vibe, yes, exactly. So, based, I think some statistics, I'm just going to be 100% wrong, but it gives you an idea. So, basically, I believe something of like all the PS5 sold. Um, only one of three PS5s actually has a game bought for it, right? So it's like 30% or something. I can't remember exactly the statistics. But basically, yeah. you put this. There's a massive proportion between people who actually have bought PS5 games, they are PS5 sold, which basically means it's going to destroy PS5 as a viable platform because what's the point of owning a console when each game costs $110 and no one's bought any? Because there's literally no one get their hands on console because scalpers take them all. And so, um, consoles are sold at a loss. To subsidize, uh, like to build the customer base for yes, games. Yes, exactly. So technically, Sony's losing kind of money right now by having scalpers steal all the well, not steal, but buy up all the consoles, right, and resell high price. So if it keep, I've heard of some rumor they're trying now to try something out in the new year to try and stop it, because if it continues, then basically they've lost the console war the first year in. Well, is Microsoft doing any better at the moment? Well, no one really wants Xboxes. Everyone wants PS5s. Okay. So. Xbox Ones are pretty easy. To, well, Xbox Series X are a bit more easy to come by compared to PS5. Yeah. At least in my humble opinion when I've been searching. Because the PS5 is the one you see going for outrageous prices. That's true. I haven't seen a lot of um, news about the uh, Xbox. Yeah. It's always the Sony, man. Yep. Putting root kits on your PC. Sony. <laughs> um, selling pretty good quality uh, consumer goods. Sony. Creating a console because they got upset by Nintendo, Sony. Sony. Yeah, the and, uh, original <laughs> PlayStation was a CD add-on for uh, Nintendo 64. Then uh, N- Nintendo and Sony broke up, and Sony were like, right, we're going to go and do our own console with Blackjack and Hookers. The ultimate parting gift. All right. The leadership over. Time to backstab. Yep. But no, like, um, yeah, I mean, Xbox is kind of like, it's Xbox. There's always an Xbox around, you know. It, it does have the same, okay, I mean, your Mountain Dew drinking, Dioda, Doritos chewing, Game of Boys. Doritos yeah. Mountain Dew, me. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, the Xboxes. But, like, Sony seems, I don't know, I guess Sony seems less easy of the two. You know, it is, they're more, but, like, people think Microsoft are like, ugh, Microsoft. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. People haven't put dollar signs in the uh, Sony logo yet. No. <laughs> Sony ripping ripping consumers since 1990. Longer than that. Since World War Two, man. Since World <laughs> War Two. Sony have been doing some like they're not the greatest company. They've done some pretty dodgy stuff, especially the rootkit business. Mm. Basically, they um, put a virus on your CDs that you bought. So that if you played them in a computer and tried to rip them, they could stop it. But, you know, you're not just opening up your computer to Sony there. 
anyone who finds out about that and can take control of it gets it. So I'll be curious to see what uh, Sony is actually going to do to stop scalping in the next few months. Maybe, but uh, but, 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 fellas, we're missing one more big, big games company. Nintendo. Nintendo doesn't have as many issues with scalpers. Scalpers seem to have only become... Well, they've been an issue in concert sales for years, but in game sales, they only seem to have become a huge issue in the past um, past year, really. I mean, there was some scalping towards the start of the Switch, but you yeah, see, people actually, people see Nintendo as they're not they're not they're they're, they're a staple of gaming business, but they're not. Nintendo does their weird wacky console whatever thing. People are like, eh, you don't like, fight over Nintendo versus Sony. No, you get. A, a Sony or an Xbox or whatever, and then a, a Switch. Yeah. Because they're so different. You don't need to fight over which one you're getting. If you're going to get two consoles, you always get the Nintendo option. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, not always, but the, you get my point. Yeah, I get what you're saying. They're like, Nintendo's days shining in a console wars back during the 90s. They, they, they haven't been competitive to any consoles since, well, mid-90s, basically, when, um, okay, that's a lot. They haven't been a direct competitor. Well, actually, yeah, they haven't been a direct competitor since the PlayStation came out. The only time they'll direct competitor really was the Wii came out, but it's the Wii, you know. And that's so unique and different. It wasn't the really. The main reason it sold well was because everyone wanted one because yeah. of the, yeah, the motion control. You and your grandma. Yeah, your grandma can play the Wii. That's how simple it is. Yeah. Hey, kiddo, let's go play some Wii. Yeah. Awkward naming aside. <laughs> About the Wii on you. <laughs> the Wii U. That was some really awful marketing. <laughs> what is it? It's an upgrade to the Wii. So what do you call it? A Wii U. And what are you going to advertise? Well, it's going to look just like a Wii, but it's going to have a tablet. And we're not going to make it actually clear that it's a whole separate console. It just looks oh. like an accessory. I just keep my Wii around then. Oh, yeah. So you're good to... <laughs> yeah. But they, they said that game was Switch marketing. Holy crap, they did such a good job. Yeah, so Switch marketing was infinitely better. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, the marketing for the Switch was basically play this game anywhere you can go, even in the bus, even in the, even in the plane, even in the car. And even with your with, friends. Yeah. I said a clip when you plug in the controllers. Yeah, and that was good marketing. Yeah, because it turns out what people want to do with a handheld console is play it wherever they go. Yeah. And then you can plug your Switch in and make it a TV console. So you get both things. Yeah. But we're drifting drifting apart from the topic at hand. With uh, with Nintendo, like how how do you reckon they might see this in the long run? Um, well, since all of the Nintendo scalping was done earlier this year, they're laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> like, people who are going out buying a console now and can't buy a PlayStation... You're buying a, a PlayStation for your kid for Christmas. You can't get one. What are you going to get? An Xbox? Well, they're almost as hard to get. So let's get him a Switch. <laughs> Nintendo's loving it. How do you reckon the games company is going to react, though? Like uh, Santa Monica Studios and like the American Studios, I reckon they'll, 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 re- they'll be kicking up, kicking and screaming, going, what the hell, man? Yeah, well, Debbie had a great point that without people owning the console... Nobody's buying the games. Yeah. In the day, that is your lifeline of any console. Like, if no one's buying games, then there's no console. True, true. But then there's always the, the, the people are now str- now choosing to stream the games now with the PlayStation Live and 
no, not oh, PlayStation Live. PlayStation Plus. That's yeah. also more of an entirely separate console. Pretty much, yeah. Like you don't need a PlayStation to use Play- PS Now. You, um, you can do it on any computer, um, probably on phones as well. And Stadia is like a fifty dollar games console. I I say console loosely, but it, um... <laughs> it's a theoretical console. <laughs> well, yeah, it does the job. It's not what I would uh, want for my own use, but it's dirt cheap. People will will buy it because it's dirt cheap. And uh, one of the things that killed the Vita is that nobody wanted to make games for it because um, nobody bought one in the beginning. It seemed to have a really low sales. So, yeah, there was no point making a game for it, so nobody bought it because there were no games, unless you're into JRPGs. And that could end up happening to the PS5, and that would kill Sony as a company. Mm. Well, Sony's gaming division, anyway. They're not in this business to lose money. You mean the only viable profitable, profit profitable, profit profit to <laughs> I'm try it again? <laughs> Sony's only profitable industry part, you know, the only part of the company actually makes money. Yeah, they're having trouble with uh, their other branches as well at the moment, especially music. Because oh, streaming yeah. has killed uh, traditional music purchases. If only can go back to the early 2000s where they just sue the hell out of anyone downloading their songs. Ah, <laughs> oh, good old Napster. Yeah, I was a bit young for Napster and LimeWire, but uh, I can appreciate the memes. <laughs> Although I will say this though, uh, with Sony, like even though it's di- even though Sony is dying, people still live and breathe by that name. Same for Xbox fans. It's not like, um, well, console players seem to have really high brand loyalty. Hmm. So your PlayStation players, your Xbox players, they pick one side and stick to it, which is helped by backwards compatibility. If there was no backwards compatibility, I don't think they would have um, nearly the uh, fan base that they do. Although, What's that? The, the, game, uh, the console companies want to stop backwards compatibility? Yeah, they're not um not always the smartest. So I don't know. Though I think the Sony fan base is get, is gonna be really really loud with what happened recently. Which is oh, the release of Cyberpunk. Ah, well, that's terrible on both consoles. And the PC master race is just over here. Like, what are you guys on about? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a bit of a firestorm happening there, isn't it? Yeah. Turns out it's terribly optimized, and the uh, PR is an absolute failure because um, they promised any console purchases a refund, and then Sony said, no, we're not doing refunds. (laughs) I literally squawked today. Well, okay, squawked is better. That's not the right word. But, you know, gawked? I don't know. You know, shocked. Because I was in EB Games, and I had had all the cyberpunk stuff course everywhere, all the merchandise, like, you know, pushing that hype. And I saw it's like, PC, $99. Uh, fair enough. PS4, $110 in Australia. Wow. Like, yeah, nah. So if you buy the PC edition, more of your purchase goes to the developers. Because then there's no Sony cut. Ah, so it's going on there. I actually don't know that that's true. It sounds right, but that doesn't say much, really. <laughs> that being said, though, did you hear about... um? Cyberpunk with on on the PC in terms of uh, it may corrupt your save files if you loot too much, and the files yeah, run, yeah. 
and the file sizes exceed up to eight megabits. Eight megabytes. Bits right. is a transfer. Well, not in let's let's get te- let's get te- technical and uh, blow his mind. <laughs> Come on. Okay, so a bit is one eighth of a byte, which is right. why when when it's mostly used for transfer speeds these days. Because it turns out if you can say somebody's internet speed is eight times faster than it is, then they're gonna love that. Oh, uh, is this gonna be the um is this gonna be the, the next uh, GIF and a GIF? Um it has been for like fifty years now. If you're into <laughs> software development, then yes, this is bigger battle than GIF and GIF. I thought it was a GIF. It's pretty damn important. <laughs> but I think it's more likely that it's capped at eight megabytes rather than megabits. Because nobody uses megabits when talking about storage. Yeah. Yes, please submit me store pages proving me wrong. <laughs> I'm making a generalization. I dared make a generalization. Come at me. <laughs> what do you guys think, though, like, so, with, with this move that being pulled off from the Sony store? Um, oh. it's, it's the first time. Yeah, it's the first, one of the first time, well... I'm sure Sony's pulled other games from their store in the past, but it's the first time a AAA game has been pulled from the Sony store, and for good reason. I'm kind of surprised this didn't happen with No Man's Sky, but um, I suppose even worse than that, uh, CD Projekt Red, this is making them into a bit of a joke. They hid the footage of... um, console gameplay so that they could pretend it ran better than it did. Yeah, it's not going to look good, is it? No. And just, just recently... just a bloody embarrassment. And just and recently... It's coming uh... out from leaked calls. It seems like the board pushed for it. Not yeah. surprised. Um, yeah, turns out the overall price of CDPR has gone down like 25%. Oof. And even and recently Xbox is offering uh, refunds as well. Yeah, so... I believe they can turn it around and get goodwill back. I think they just need to take another six months to a year to fix it up, like with No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky is still a bit of, um, still doesn't have all the features they were promising. And it's been like three or four years now. But, um, you know, they won back a lot of goodwill from gamers by actually fixing it, apologizing and fixing it. It was, um, they shouldn't have lied in their marketing. Neither should CDPR. But it's the next few months that will show what the long-term views on CDPR are. Never said, man. Like for one, they destroyed their um, uh, what do you call it? Network connections of Sony and Microsoft. Like obviously, their yeah, goodwill. That was it. They lied about the um, console accreditation program. Yes, which is uh, not a good look. That was the other reason why Sony's pulled them. And it's also kind of cast out on, like, it hasn't just hurt CDPR there. That's also made Sony look bad because they're letting yes. people game the system. Exactly. So, yeah, I feel like they're going to. Honestly, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, if one thing for sure, getting another internet story and video, but <laughs> that's the most <laughs> Okay. Uh, uh, uh... That being said, though, we can, maybe we can make fun of CD Projekt Red. For, to look, look I already know what his title's going to be. It's going to be some pun. Because he's done <laughs> the fall... He, look, you know, he's done the fall of 76, right? <laughs> this is the fall of 78. Oh, no. 77. 
77. Oops, yeah, 77. <laughs> yeah, but at least we can all agree that at least Cyberpunk is doing much more an effort to fix the game than Bethesda did with Fallout 76. I mean... Well, 76 wasn't as broken. Now, we can complain a lot about Bethesda for 76 because they deserve it. But <laughs> they also didn't lie about their accreditations. They... um. They keep releasing content. The game, as it stands now, is surprisingly playable, according to um, people who are into that stuff. Not wrong. Yeah. Apparently, some of the uh, like the new quests, or older quests now, the Wastelanders DLC, is some of the best uh, Fallout writing Bethesda has ever done. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that's uh, from Many a True Nerd's video on it. Yeah. Not surprised, honestly, because they, 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 like, the Bethesda does have some great writers. Yeah. They're sort of, sort of learning from their, uh, the mistakes now. Hopefully that means Starfield won't be incredibly, um, buggy if it ever if it comes, comes out. that, that is. Yeah. <laughs> What's going to come out first? Elder Scrolls 6 or Starfield? I've seen the marketing for Elder Scrolls 6, so. I'm Wait, where? Really? Well, at, uh, E3 last year, they oh. played the Elder Scrolls 6 trailer, but didn't mention Starfield. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. So, curiously, for uh, for you both gentlemen as um, game developers, do you guys think this is a th- this looks badly on game development as a whole? Oh, what do you mean by that? Like, it's it must be really devastating. Like, to see if you, the game that you worked on just got just get the news like, all right, if we're gonna pull your game out of the Sony store, I mean. Oh no, hundred percent. It must be crushing for the development team. Obviously, they need more time, but management want to give it to them. Is that? I think I saw some video today about, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the 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 hardworking devs are pretty pissed off at City Projects higher ups uh, for well obvious reasons because yeah. it, it it needed like another year in the oven. But the the hype, the marketing team, and the main uh, higher ups at City Projects just pushed it too much. Yeah. If okay. Let's say the dust settles with, with all the mess that's um, that's occurred in Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. What would be the biggest cause of its downfall, in your opinions, as game developers? Well, if they don't fix their mistakes now, yes, exactly. If they don't do that, they are just, sorry. If they ever like, want to be taken seriously again, they need to fix this. Yes. If they and don't, if they don't, nobody will ever buy a CDPR game again. Yeah, because like. Um, like, No Man's Sky is a good turnaround. I think if they release a different game other No Man's Sky, I think people will buy it now. 100%. There might even be a bit of hype for it. Um, but as of it stands now, CD Projekt Red really has lost all faith um, from, the, from the gaming community. They've really destroyed all trust. I mean, it's a shame because like, I, I was expecting this to happen, honestly. Because it just was so much hype. The expectations just... It, if you look at history... More often than not, something that's hyped up is not going to be a good quality project, product because people rush it, right? Yeah. I but never thought they could put it off, but no. I never thought they'd screw it up this bad. Like, okay, an open-world adventure game, not open-world adventure game, an open-world game, right? If it's hyped for a Rockstar game, 100%, because obviously those guys have got decades of experience making games like that, right? CZ Product Red doesn't. They've only made Witcher games for like the last decade and a half, right? They've never done anything like this before, and to come into this much hype and that massive a project, well, Witcher Three is pretty open world, isn't it? True, it, it, but not to the extent people are wanting and get par- comparing it to like GTA or something. 
you know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah. it was open world, but not GTA open world, which people were thinking from the marketing, this was going to be like the next GTA, at least based off the videos and stuff and the comments I've been seeing on Reddit and things from very angry people. That's what they're comparing the game to. Funnily enough, GTA 5 is still like, um, when you can get it running, um, Cyberpunk is still a good looking game. But um, funnily enough, GTA 5 still looks surprisingly good, even after seven years now. Exactly right. Especially if you put some, uh, you know, things on it. Looks good. Shaders and new yes, things like that. It's just a um, bit of a marketing mistake. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a oopsie. Can bring it back. So we have kind of merged our two topics into one here. Yeah, we kind of did a mergey mergey here, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. But, um, so I suppose we'll skip that one and move on to the science topic. Now, DJ will never know the pain of learning the code. But it turns out, so learning the program is similar to learning a new language because you learn new words and grammar and syntax. But your brain doesn't think so. So it actually, um, reading code triggers your uh, multiple demand network, which is for cognitive tasks like maths and crossword puzzles. But coding does also cover a lot of different areas other than that. Which is interesting because I'd always assumed that it was pretty much just logic. It's a very formal, um, sorry, pretty much just a language. It's a very formal logic-driven language, but it is a functionally pretty much just a, a language. You could probably speak it to someone if you were trying to direct them to make, like, to carry out a task in some cases. Preferably something like Python or Basic for that, but. Um, I doubt you'd be able to talk someone through interpreting C code in like in their heads. <laughs> I mean, coding. The more I look at it, it's it. It looks so easy, though. Like it looks so easy, but it must be needless, needlessly, needlessly painful. Oh dear! You've triggered Devi. <laughs> Um, it is painful. It's incredibly yeah. painful, but when you get that bug fixed, it feels oh, so good. good. <laughs> um, I think it comes down, if you want to do like click and drag code or scratch or something like that, fair enough, easy. Uh, once you get into something like C Sharp and C++, or God forbid, like deeper coding languages that go deep into the system level, like then things can get a bit hectic. Um, there's a lot, thing, lot of things to manage, basically, right? It depends on what you're really doing. If you're doing like uh, a simple if functions and stuff, just doing like general logic control, then that's pretty simple. But if you're going into like mathematical, you know, calculations, doing shaders and all this stuff, then you're, oh, that's, uh, that's getting a bit difficult there. At least for me. Yeah. I think there's, so the article does point out the two schools of thought. Either you've got to be good at maths to be a programmer, or you've got to be good at language to be a programmer. Yes. I think it's somewhere in the middle, mm -hmm. but it also depends on the kind of programming you're doing. So shader programming, incredibly mathematics heavy, um, but something simpler, like just algorithm design, is much more of a language problem. 100%. No, I agree. Which, although I've got to wonder, there's a uh, logic-based language for speaking to people, Logban, and it's designed to be a completely logical language. I don't speak it, so I can't speak to the veracity of that but 
if it is, I wonder how it would, um, how learning LodgeBan would interact with your brain compared to code or other languages. Mm. So they've done this by putting programmers in an fMRI machine and then ask them to review code and tell them what the code would do. <laughs> Please, but okay, don't, don't worry, sir. Just uh, do your normal coding and we'll just put the MRI scene on you. And don't, don't worry. It's like you're just in your office. Uh, I imagine yeah. like you just get in there, starts typing away and gets a fuck and it's like, <laughs> just flips the table, like just senses going crazy. Oh, Jesus, what have we got here? Yeah, it's... um. Though they use Python and Scratch, so they're all pretty easy to read. And I wonder how that would um, also change if you were asking them to interpret C code like we were discussing earlier. So, yeah, this activates both parts of your brain, not just left brain or right brain. But they didn't notice any, in the sample they had, they didn't notice any evidence of a specialized brain programming center, which... um, they reckon could be poten- could potentially develop in people who have been programming for longer. So next step, stick Donald Nuff in there. So that guy is a god of programming. Or John Carmack. What is going on inside John Carmack's head? I have no idea. John Carmack is the kind of guy who would solve P equals MP hard in a weekend for fun. Wait, which which um programmers? Dick Don- John Carmack and and Donald E. Nuff, author of the art of computer programming which is basically the, a computer programming Bible, which um, he's still working on. He's been writing it for like 40 or 50 years now. <laughs> it's sort of a Game of Thrones situation, but he actually produces content because he's showing people the um, his... Uh, uh, he's showing people his work for Volume 4. So it's definitely something that will come out one day. Yeah, I mean... It's... Give it time, okay? but I guess I'll do more studies like this, given the results found here. Yeah. Hey, maybe sooner or later we'll see um, the average, the average, um, hum- average, average man um, pr- do coding. That's really <laughs> a thing. I think anyone can learn to code, but only a subset can learn how to code well. Like there are languages like uh, Python and Scratch, which they use for this study, which are so simple that kids can learn them. Can you imagine um, fifty years from now? Uh, in primary school, uh, take your kids and be like, okay, son, we're going to introduce you to Computing 101. They already do that. Oh, yeah, that's right, with the um, co- with the coding classes in primary yeah. school. There are coding classes in primary school. And back in my day, co- uh, IT classes was basically uh, more about HTML. Yeah. Dreamweaver. Okay, but your first computer was a, uh, was a VAX, so... That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Actually, I Man. wish it was. Man. I love faxes. There was a great meme posted on the Australian Computer History Museum page about anti-vax people <laughs> and the Digital Electric Corporation's vax computer. <laughs> so, what have you been playing this week, Devi boy? Mm, what have you been playing, eh? Or have you watched something or read something yes. that you'd like to share? Yes, I have. So I have gone on a bit of a media binge, and I watched The Dragon Prince. What's that about? So it's uh, by the writers, well, it's not by the creators of Avatar, but it's by the main uh, co-writer of Avatar Last Airbender. Yeah. And um, yeah, it feels like Avatar. Well, not in the same way. It has the same like pace, if it makes sense. Uh, but like, the characters are really complex and deep, and like, it's just fun. It's honestly just fun. It is 
Okay, so let me try to explain this. I'm gushing, and I want to try and make this point clear. Okay, so <laughs> the story is: it's, there's two kingdom, kingdoms, well, multiple kingdoms, but there's two different uh, parts of the world. One half is all humans with four kingdoms. The other half is uh, all mythical creatures, etc. It's mainly elves. Um, and how it is basically the two are at war, right? So the story begins with um, your main characters, uh, Ezra uh, and Callum, and they are the sons. Well, one's a, 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 a what do you what do you call it? He's a son, but you know he's a different family come from living under that dad now, uh, adopted adopted son. But basically, they're living together. Um, they're the sons of the king of that castle. Uh, one day, moon elves come and attack, and their father dies. This is like the first episode, so it's not really much spoilers. And they discover a thing called the dragon egg. Now, which this is a mythical egg, which is the next king of the dragons, which basically controls the border between the two worlds and might stop the war, which is currently the whole fighting's over, uh, the humans stealing that egg. So it's up to our main characters. And uh, Rayla, who is one of the elves, things happen, they get together, uh, and they must go back to the borders and deliver the egg to the dragon, uh, the dragon, the, well, the dragon queen, basically. Um, that was a terrible explanation. I'm so sorry. Like, it's <laughs> it's good. It's fantastic, honestly. Look, it, it's on Netflix. It's three seasons so far. Netflix just booted it as just, not booted it, but they're just, um, what do you call it? They've just accepted they're going to do the whole uh, trilogy, which is going to be up to, like, seven seasons. So... Honestly, just give it a try. Like it is a kids show, but it's so well done that it does, isn't for like it, it doesn't necessarily need to be for kids. Like it's so well done, it could be for all ages. Okay, what would you rate it? Ten out of ten. Five out of five. Ten out of ten. Five out of five. <laughs> thousand out of thousand. Wow, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> well, you, do, like, for, do you have any gripes with the series? Like any like? Nope. Nope. No gripes. No gripes, man. Like, yeah. It's 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 fantastic, man. And what have you been up to, DJ? Uh, in terms of whether uh, games and media consumed, um, I have just been watching the uh, Attack on Titan final season and third episode in, and my god, I feel like I need to rewatch the whole whole series just to get the story back up back again <laughs> into my head. But basically, it, it's uh, the concluding. Se- Concluding um, conclusions of the of the Titan Human War and so many characters are going go, coming and going, man. More more than uh, Game of Thrones, to be to be honest. Okay, and what do you rate it? Um, so far with the episodes, three episodes in, I will give it nine out of ten. And I've been playing Quake Live, which is a uh, online optimized version of. Uh, Quake Cree Arena. I don't know why I insist on playing Twitch shooters when I suck at them. <laughs> Maybe you're a glutton for punishment. Yeah, so it was fun. Um, I'd give it a three and a half out of five. But, you know, it's just Quake. There's um, Quake Cree Arena. People have been playing that for decades now. So, yeah. I don't know what I can say that hasn't already been said. But if you're into Twitch shooters, it's worth it. So what do we start doing out of 10 for some reason? I don't know. Debbie Boy was the one that started saying a 9 out of 10. 10, out of 10 I always just do things out of 10 because it, 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 I don't know. It's just how I do it because there's more of, a, more of a range of 
options based on how you feel, right? Because it's like if the, if you feel meh, you can go five out of ten. But if you do out of five, then it's like well, it's either a four, which says it's like it's raining really high, or you do a three, and it's like eh, but kind of bad. All right, you've convinced me. Let's go to a thousand point scale. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll do fifty-five hundred so... out of one million. <laughs> That's a really low scale, a really low score. Yes. So we'll um, stop for a quick break, and then we'll be back with the new short format shout-out section. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For our shout-out tonight, we have on the 17th of December 2020, Jeremy Bullock, known best for playing Boba Fett in the original Star Wars movies, passed away at 75. Bullock also played uh, Q's assistant, Smithers, in two James Bond movies. As seems to have been usual for characters in the original Star Wars, Bullock played the human in the suit, while his voice came from Jason Wingreen, who died in 2015. He was unaware of Fett's demise prior to filming and was disappointed because he wanted to do more of the character. He said it was the most uncomfortable role he played and putting on the jetpack was very heavy. I bet it would because that's, um, you know... Sand gets in the cracks in your armor, and then it just chafes. And apparently, they um they couldn't use the sarlacc pit prop properly because of the sand. Bullock drew inspiration from Clint Eastwood's Man with No Name. In 2014, Bullock recalled when he said to an Imperial officer before leaving uh, Cloud City with Solo frozen in carbonite, "Put Captain Solo in the cargo cargo hold." When that. <laughs> I'm messing up his mess-ups. <laughs> put Captain Solo in the cargo hold when he actually said, put Captain Cargo in the Solo hold. <laughs> he died in Tooting, London. And on the 18th of December, 2020, it was the 26th anniversary of the Grotte Chauvet discovery. I'm butchering the French there. Uh, found on the same day in 1994, the cave of Pont d'Arc, known as Grotchalvet Pont de Arc in Ardèche is uh, one of the most significant prehistoric art sites and is on the World Heritage Site list. It features some of the best preserved cave paintings in the world and other evidence of uh, Upper Paleolithic life. The cave was first investigated by three spelunkers. I'm just going to call them that. Speleologist. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Eliette Brunel Deschamps, Christian Hilaire, and Jean-Marie Chauvet, for whom it was named after um, half a year after a, an aperture known as Lettre de Baba was found by Michael Rosa, a.k.a. Baba. The paintings were made in the Orig... There are a lot of words I've never seen here. <laughs> Orignacian period between 30,000 and 32,000 years ago. You know, if you go to see the paintings there, the oldest paintings there in the cave are 36,500 years old, apparently, based on um, a 2020 review of the data using a new uh, radiation calibration curve. 
But if you go to see the Chalvet Caves, you can't actually see the real thing. They've built a replica to stop people damaging them. I mean, I don't blame them. I mean, they are va- they, yeah. they, they, people love to vandalize stuff. I mean, there, there, there was always there, you always hear stories of like ancient caves being vandalized and and stuff. So yeah, it looks like it was only uh, replicated in 2015, though. So I guess people were going into the actual cave for a long time before that. But yes, um, people are bad about preserving archaeological evidence. So. And on the 21st of December, tonight, as we're recording this, is it cloudy? It looks like it might be cloudy, bugger. The, um, there is a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, the first of its kind in 400 years. So this is one of the possible conjunctions believed to be the star seen by the wise men traveling to visit Jesus. When he was, um, as, the, the, well, as the traditional story goes, the wise men saw a star in the west, and followed it across until they came to Bethlehem. But with modeling, uh, astronomers have discovered a couple of possible stars and conjunctions that could have been the star that they were following. And on the 21st of December, 1824, sorry, on to remembrances. On the 21st of uh, December, 1824, we have James Parkinson, an English surgeon apocryphal, Apothecary, geologist, paleontologist, and political activist, best known for his 1817 work on an essay on the shaking palsy, in which he des- palsy, in which he described paralysis agitans, a condition later renamed Parkinson's disease by John Martin Charcot. Parkin- Parkinson was the first person to systematically describe six individuals with symptoms of the disease that bears his name. Parkinson believed that tremors would the tremors were due to lesions in the cervical spinal cord but modern research has debunked that. After working in medicine, he turned to nature, uh, collecting specimens and drawings of fossils in the end, towards the end of the 18th century. He also wrote his own books about fossils. He belonged to a school of thought, catastrophism, that believed that the Earth's geology and biosphere were shaped by recent cataclysms. And on the 21st of December, 1890, uh, for our famous, famous birthday, sorry, we have Herman Joseph Mueller, an American geneticist, educator, and Nobel laureate, known for his work on the physiological and genetic effects of radiation, aka mutagenesis. He warned of long-term dangers of fallout from nuclear war and nuclear testing, which resulted in greater public scrutiny of, um, of these practices. It's pretty scary that they used to set off bombs and, like, have a spectator spawn. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd love to see that, but... I'm happy that they're not doing it anymore because um, it's like really bad for you. In 1926, he made a series of major breakthroughs. In November, using two uh, experiments with varied doses of x-rays, he made the connection between radiation and lethal mutations. He entitled his paper, The Problem of Genetic Modification, and presented at the 5th International Congress of Genetics in Berlin. The other thing that... um, is mentioned in the notes here. Well, he also pointed out that shoe sellers using fluoroscopes, which are basically live x-rays, you'd put your foot into a shoe and put it in a box, and they could look through a viewfinder and see your bones in the shoe and review the fit. Except not a not a huge issue for uh, your average person. Huge issue for the guy who has to stand there all day doing it. <laughs> In 1946, he received the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for the discovery. For his discovery, 
He argued that no threshold dose of radiation existed that did not produce mutagenesis. The Drosophilia basic units of inheritance, their chromosomal arms, are named Mueller elements in his honor. It's interesting. Um, some people believe that a small dose of radiation is actually good for you, and it keeps getting debunked, but people seem to keep thinking that. So, um, you know, it says something about people. And for our last one, our event of interest. On the 21st of December 2010, Mega Shark vs. Crocosaurus came to cinemas. The movie features Gary Stretch and Jaleel White, and the plot summary is a megalodon battles with a Crocosaurus causing massive destruction. The US Army has to try to destroy the havoc causing creating monsters. The film is a sequel to the 2009 film Mega Shark vs. Giant Octopus, and is the second installment in the Mega Shark series. The original idea for the sequel involved Mega Shark battling a Gigantosaurus. That is so bad. I mean, sci-fi movies back then. Come on, they were funny. Remember, um, what's that? Uh, what's that movie about a tornado and a shark? You have to ask that. <laughs> I know. I was just, I was just taking the piss. Okay, I was hoping you were smarter than that. But that's all we have for tonight. DJ, where can they find us? Um, they can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's not Canada. Com. We're in archive of our old episodes, and we've also got uh, new podcasts as well. Do you have any to review for us this week? This week, we have the Paranoid Strain. That's the new conspiracy theory one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, the uh, podcast name is Jesuit Fearful, but yeah, it's uh, the Jesuit Strain is the episode. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I think you mud- muddled that up a bit. Can you say that again? The podcast title is Jesuit Fearful, but then the t- episode's called The Paranoid Strain. Okay, so what's Jesuit Fear- Fearful about? Jesuit uh, F- Fearful is basically uh, historical political conspiracies, basically. Okay. Are you sure you've got that the right way around? I think so. Is it the paranoid? I'm, I'm getting confused with this DJ, name. DJ, I'm about to put my head through the table. <laughs> It's called the Paranoid Strain. The, 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 the episode you're looking at must be called Jesuit Fearful. I, I could be the other way around, though. No, look at that website, theparanoidstrain.com. <laughs> Dang it. You don't get to be that wrong in front of me, DJ. <laughs> so that's uh, all for tonight. We'll see you next week. Look after yourselves and stay hydrated. And stay out of Sydney. <laughs> uh... Stay happy, stay nerdy. Hooroo. Bye-bye, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.